The scripture which the sermon is based upon is from Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's invite God to speak to us from his word. Father, we thank you for the word read for us today. We pray that as we look to it now, your Holy Spirit would speak life and truth from it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So when a, when a baby is born, it's usually left to the parents to choose that child's name, right? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't it be weird if the hospital assigned the name for you when your baby's born? Or, or if, if the government were to dictate what every child is to be born in the land? It, that, that, this, that, would never, that would never fly. It's just in, in every, basically in every nation, every culture around the world, it's considered the right of parents to name their own child. And it was the same in, in Bible times. With, if you read scripture, it, in, in, with very few exceptions, when babies are born in the Bible, it's the parents who choose their names. And that's what makes it remarkable when you notice that um, when it comes to the birth of the Messiah, both, both Mary in Luke chapter 1 and Joseph here in Matthew chapter 1, they, they were both told by an angel that they must name the child Jesus. Now, Jesus was a common name in first century Israel. There were a lot of men named Jesus. In fact, if you read through the Gospel of Matthew before you get to the end in Matthew 27, you meet another man named Jesus. It was just a, it was a common name. And uh, some of us know what it's like to have a common name. Maybe you do. Um, I, was, uh, I was born in 1962, and the year I was born, the second most popular name for baby boys born in America was David. So all through elementary school, I was never just David. I was always David E. You know, you had to distinguish me from David R, David S, David W, all the other little Davids in, in the classroom. And did you ever, you ever notice how often in the Bible, Jesus is not just presented as Jesus. 
Often he's identified as Jesus of Nazareth. Did they have to distinguish him from Jesus of Jesus of Bethsaida, Jesus of Capernaum, Jesus of Hebron, all the other Jesus. It was, it was, a, it was a common name. Now, in, in Hebrew, they wouldn't have said Jesus. That's how you say it in English. They would have said Yeshua or Joshua was the name Joshua, named after that famous military leader in the Old Testament. And you, you can understand why parents would want to name their little boy after a man as great as Joshua from the Old Testament. But the question I want to ask today is why? Why at the birth of the Messiah, why did God send an angel to insist this baby must be named Jesus? Well, I would like to suggest three, three things that I think we learn from the naming of the Messiah, from the way that he's named. And I would suggest to you that here's what we learn about Jesus. We learn his identity. All right, we, we learn who he really is. We, we learn his mission, why he came, and we learn about his power, his, his, his ability to accomplish what he came to do. Those, those three things. So let's, let's start with the identity of the Messiah. Who is, who is Jesus? Well, the name Yeshua, or the name Jesus, is actually, it's a compound of two Hebrew words. That, and when you put them together, they basically mean Jehovah or Yahweh saves. That's the meaning of the name. The Lord, Yahweh, saves. And based on the angel's words to Joseph here, it seems that the name Jesus was chosen primarily because of its meaning. The end of uh, verse 21, the angel says to Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, most of us are probably familiar with this passage. We've heard that many times before. Just You kind of read through it, you don't notice it. But I think that to the... To the very first readers or hearers of Matthew's gospel, these ancient first century Jewish Christians, when they heard that phrase from, from the angel's lips, it must have sounded very strange to them. He will save his people? Who says something like that? You, you see, listen, in, in, the Old in the Old Testament, no one is ever said to save people from their sins except God except Yahweh, God saves people from their sins. And in, in the Old Testament, Israel is very, Israel's referred to as what? As God's people, the people of the Lord, the people of Yahweh. So he, what you expect the angel to say is something like this. God will save God's people from their sins. God will save God's people. How strange. The angel's talking a little, a little about a baby, and he says... He will save his people from their sins. He will save his people? I mean, it's, that's, that's, that's strange. It almost sounds like the angel is suggesting that this little baby is, in some sense, this baby is God. Well, says Matthew, if it seems like the angel is suggesting that, it's because he is suggesting that. Just in, just in case we miss the point, Matthew in verse 23 goes on to quote these ancient words from the prophet Isaiah. We read them earlier in, in, in the service today. And uh, Matthew's saying, you know, this, this prophecy was given many years ago in a completely different context. But in Jesus, we see the fuller, deeper, richer 
real meaning of this prophecy. And the prophecy is this. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And then Matthew says, Emmanuel means God with us. You see what he's saying here by writing this. He's saying that in some, listen, in some deeply mysterious sense, when Jesus is with us, God is with us. God is with us. So who is, who is Jesus? What is the identity of the Messiah? You know, the scripture teaches throughout, and, and the church has believed for centuries that at the birth of Jesus the Messiah, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, he took on human flesh when he was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And listen, without ceasing at all to be God, he became a human, one of us. He, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1 says that the Son, the Son, the second person of the Trinity, the Son is the radiance of the glory of God. It says that the Son is the exact representation of God's being. And then in Hebrews 2, you know what it says about the Son? It says, he was made like us in every way. God became like us. John chapter 1, the apostle John, he, he talks about this mysterious being that he calls the Word, the infinite, eternal Word. He, he says that the Word is coexistent with the Father from the very beginning of time, that the Word is the one through whom the entire universe was made. You know what he says about the Word? John 1.14, he says, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So, so who, who is Jesus? You know, you've heard it said before, Jesus saves, right? But his name is God saves. Yahweh saves. So who is Jesus? The scripture says this. He is God, the eternal God, come to us in human form. You know the old, the old Christmas carol, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus is our Emmanuel. Amen. Jesus is God with us. So that's his identity. Now, secondly, what do we learn from his naming? We, we learn his mission. What did, what, did Jesus, what did Jesus, the Messiah, come here to do? Let me ask you this. Did, did the Messiah come primarily to teach us truths about God so that we could put those truths into practice in our life? Or did he come mainly to set a good example for us, to aspire us, to, uh, to, to, to you know, motivate us to aspire to something better for our life? Or did the Messiah come to organize us, to lead us, to, to somehow change the structures of society? No, says the angel. He came to save to save his people, not to inspire us to try to be better. He came to rescue us. The word in uh, verse 21 that's translated save, it means to rescue from danger or destruction, to keep safe and sound, to make well, or to restore to health. 
So to save people means what? It means it's, it's not some kind of religious experience. It means to rescue people from something that would destroy them, to rescue people who are powerless to help themselves. And, and you know, this is what Jesus came to do. He came, he came to rescue us, right? Not to kind of pace us through some sort of self-improvement program like, like you know, a, a celestial life coach or something like that. that listen, what good would that do for people like me? People like you. Ephesians chapter 2 says that without Christ, does this hurt your feelings to hear this? It says without Christ, we are dead in our transgressions and sin. Listen, when you're, when you're, when you're dead, you don't need a better exercise program, right? You need life. When, 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 the, when you're locked in prison, you don't need to hear a, a lecture about the joys of liberty. You need someone to set you free, right? When you're drowning in the middle of the ocean, you don't need someone to throw you a, a, a manual on better swimming techniques. You need, so, you need someone to rescue you. And when you're a sinner like me, like you, what do you need? You need a savior. You need not someone to come teach you how to be better, but just someone to come and lift you out of that which is destroying you. And this is what the Messiah came to do. You, you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save people. He'll save his people from their sins. Now, what, 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 what comes to mind when you think of being saved from your sins? L listen, what, what I want you to understand, that in the Bible, this, this concept of God Dealing with your sin, God forgiving your sin. It is, listen, it is a deeply rich theological term. It's, it, it's a lot more than just, you know, God changing the grades on some kind of invisible report card up there so that you have a passing grade. No, it's, listen, it, it's so much more than that. In the Old Testament, if you look through what it says in connection to when people are forgiven, listen, in the Old Testament, when people are forgiven of their sins, Isaiah 40 says they are brought back from exile. They were in a distant land, and now they're home. Or, or 2 Chronicles says when people are forgiven, God heals their land or, or Ezekiel 36 says, when, when people are forgiven, covenant blessings are poured out on our communities. Or, or um, uh, Jeremiah 31 says that when people are forgiven, they come into a relationship with God that is so intimate, so personal, it's like they know him. Or David wrote in Psalm 51, when, listen, when you receive forgiveness of your sins, God begins to take your life and work through you to make a difference in this world for his glory. All of these things are connected with forgiveness of sins. So if God, through Christ, forgives your sins, he will do much, much more than just merely you know, expunge your moral track record. Listen, if God, through Christ, brings you forgiveness of sins, he will restore your dignity, okay? He will, he will connect you to the Father. He will bring you home for the first time in your life. You'll finally be home. That's, that's what the angel was talking about when he says about this little baby. He will, he will save, he will rescue his people from their sins. He's saying he will do, he will do all of this for those who trust in him, all right? So, who is Jesus? God in the flesh. Why did he come? To rescue people like us. Now, third, third thought. 
does he actually have the power to do this? I mean, it's nice to make this promise, but can, can, he, can he rescue people like us? Well, did you notice the, the angel's words? And let me just remind you that this angel wasn't coming up with this stuff on his own. The angel is a messenger from God. He's bringing God's message for Joseph. What, what did the angel say? Notice, the angel did not say, you, you, you are to give him the name Jesus because he might save his people from their sins. Right? Or you to give him the name Jesus because... Well, he could possibly save people from their sins. Or you give him the name Jesus because, you know, he's going to try really, really hard to save people from their sins. No. What does the angel say? You know what he says. Let me read it for you. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he, what's the next word? He will. He will save his people from their sins. It's like the angel saying, there is no doubt about it. Heaven's not sitting on the edge of its seat wondering whether this will, will be accomplished. He will, he will accomplish what he came to do. This is the message the father sent the angel to deliver. The father is saying, listen, my son will accomplish what he came to earth to perform. He will rescue all of his people forever from the consequences of their sin. How, how in the world, how in the world can our future salvation be that certain that the angel can just say it's a done deal? It will happen. Don't worry about it. He will get. How can it be so certain? Well, listen, as you read through, through the New Testament, here's what you find out. What makes our salvation so absolutely certain? is what Jesus does to accomplish it. What does Jesus do to accomplish our salvation? Well, listen, these are the words of the old Nicene Creed. This is what it says. For us and our salvation, he came down from heaven, he became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day, he rose again. In, in other words, Jesus, listen, Jesus is absolutely certain to accomplish the salvation of anyone who trusts him. Why? Because to save us, guys, he gave his life. Right? Galatians 1 verse 4 says, he gave himself for our sins to, to rescue us. You know, you could put it this way. The, the one who was placed in a wooden manger at his birth, he was nailed to a wooden cross at his death. And because he did that for those who trust in him, listen, your salvation is absolutely rock solid, sure in the eyes of God. It's been accomplished for you. So what's in a name? Why, why this common name? Oh, so many other little boys in, that, in uh, Galilee were named Jesus. Why did, why did the angel say, you got to name your kid Jesus? Don't come up with something new. Name him Jesus. Why? Because who is he? He is the one who saves. He is God in the flesh. Why did he come? He came to rescue helpless people. And how does he do it? He gives his life. Now, one final question. What? How do you think we should respond to a message like that? Well, how did, did you notice, how did Joseph respond to this? It says, verse 24, nice and clear. It says, he did 
what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary home to be his wife. He honored her virginity until after the child was born. And and then look at the end of verse 25. He gave the baby the name Jesus. He gave him the name Jehovah, Yahweh, saves. I think you could summarize Joseph's actions with this. How did Joseph respond to the message? With simple faith. He He just trusted it. And did what God asked him to do. And do, do you know, do you know this? That's really all that God's asking of you. He wants, he wants you to trust. What does God want from you? He wants you to trust the message of salvation that's offered you in his son. Many of you, I hope you're already trusting. Are you, are you already trusting Christ as your Savior? Listen, if you are, can I just can I tell you something? I hope you've heard this recently. If you haven't, let me be the one to tell you. If you've trusted in Christ, do you realize, do you realize that the Father in heaven is absolutely thrilled that you are his child? Sometimes you get down on yourself. Do you realize that because, because you've trusted Christ because of what, by virtue of what he did for you, every time the Father thinks of you, every time, he smiles. He is so thrilled with you. And if you've never, if you've never uh, trusted in Christ this way, don't you think this Christmas would be a great time for you to start trusting him? I don't know if you, I don't know if you realize how much God loves you. I, I don't know if you realize how much he has been, been uh, wanting you to come to know him through his son. He invites you this Christmas, very simply, nothing fancy, just, just to say, if you want to give all this to me through Jesus, I'll take it. I trust. I receive. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the name of our Savior. It is a precious name to those who trust it. We thank you for Jesus, the one who came to rescue us, the one who gave his life for our salvation. And we pray that this Christmas time for each one of us, that that name would be precious for some, maybe for the very first time, for others, that its its glory would, would again fill our hearts with joy. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Amen.